Well, good morning, everybody. Can we give it up for the worship team one time? I am the, I'm, my name is Cole, I'm the student director here, so I know this for sure, that song is what we call a bop. It is a good one, it is a good one. No, but if you're joining us this morning for the first time and you were told that to come out and hear Pastor Ricky, uh, sorry, you're gonna have to come back next week. You're stuck with me uh, this week, whether you're joining us here in the sanctuary or if you're joining us online, we're just glad that you're here with us. Uh, we are in the second week of our series, Marriage on the Rock, and uh, today's message was actually, the, the topic comes from a conversation I had with uh, Pastor Ricky Daniel and our wives as we were all out to uh, lunch after service one week, and so hopefully it, uh, you can relate to this and it can be a blessing in your life, but the, the gist of this one is Pastor Ricky, Daniel, and I all decided that if we're supposed to share everything in a marriage, why do we never get enough of the bed, and why do we always have to pull the covers back over to our side? <laughs> That would be a weird sermon, and my wife is looking at me because I'm the one who steals the covers. So, <laughs> no, we are going to talk about a topic that is much more important than that, one that can make or break your marriage, uh, communication. And communication is what we're gonna talk about today. It's one of the most important things uh, that come between two people when they are in relationship together. And so, as a reminder, we are sharing all of these things in the context of marriage, but we, uh, we don't want you to hear this, or not be able to hear this if you're somebody who finds yourself single, divorced, widowed, uh, whatever it might look like. We hope that there's something that you can take away from this uh, message as well. I know for me, one of the people who taught me the most about what it means to be married was my grandmother. And my grandmother was widowed ever since I was in fifth grade. And so there's so much that people have to offer to each other. You have to offer so many people who are married if you're single. And if you're married, so much you have to offer people who might be single as well. And uh, I might even say that those of you who find yourself single see a different side of Jesus that most of us can't see who are married. And that is that if Jesus is God in human form, then he has all the same aches, yearnings, and longings of those of you who are single. He has all the same things to teach us that you who are single can see, that we who are married can't. And so don't sell yourself short, and also hopefully you can hear this message today with, fresh, uh, with, with a fresh uh, yeah, whatever you want to say. I was going to say fresh ears, but that sounds weird, you know? <laughs> so today we are, as I said, focusing on communication uh, in a marriage and in the relationships we find ourselves in. And so there's enough issues when it comes to communication that we could spend a whole year just on communication, what it looks like to have godly communication in all areas of our lives, not just marriage. Uh, and so I'm not gonna try to tackle all of those today. Uh, so we're just gonna focus in on one thing, and that is the tongue. It's a relatively small part of the body, but it punches well above its weight class when it comes to communication. We're gonna talk about what it means to, to talk well in our relationships, what it means to steward the conversations we have. Because what I know is true of communication is that when I met my wife, she brought so much life to me. The way she talked about me and the way she talked to me was way different than anything I had experienced in relationships before that. That I was able to finally experience joy uh, when it came to how somebody treated me and loved me and talked to and about me. 
But I know the opposite is true. I heard a quote recently that, that kind of hurt me at a soul level, which was somebody said if uh, his words left physical bruising, I would be in the ICU needing intensive care. And so it's a sacred gift that we're given, communication. It's a sacred gift that we have to steward well because if we don't, just as quickly as it can bring life into our relationships, it can also bring death. And so uh, the old uh, nursery rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, should really end with words leave unhealed wounds. Uh, And we need to do a better job of stewarding our uh, communication and our relationships. And so the trouble with the tongue is nothing new. James, the brother of Jesus, talks about it in his book. So if you'll open to James 3, if you have your Bibles with you, that's where we're going to kind of situate ourselves and ground ourselves for today's teaching. Uh, But you'll want to follow along because James has some important insights about just how polarizing the tongue can be. We're going to start in uh, verse 3, James 3.3. Hear what James has to say. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. And so James starts by comparing the tongue to two different things. The first is a bit in a horse's mouth, and the other is a rudder that is guiding a ship. And he says, if the rider of the horse or the captain of the ship can utilize either of those tools properly, lots of things can be accomplished. Great things can be accomplished. You can control a whole horse's body with a small bit, and you can steer a huge ship to sh- ship to safety by controlling a small rudder. The same is true of the tongue, that when we have control of it and use it properly, in our conversations, in our communication with our spouse, or in our marriages, or in the relationships we find ourselves in, lots of good can come from it. We can be in a good place. We can know exactly where the other person is. We can work together for things. But if that is true, that means the inverse is also true, that if we let it control us, if we let it uh, take a mind of its own, we find ourselves in trouble, like a ship without a captain or a racehorse without a jockey. James continues in the end of verse five, and he says, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. Strong words from James. But uh, in a marriage, of course, we know that not every day is a good day. Sometimes we're gonna lose our cool, if not both of us, one of us. But it's in those times as people of faith that James says it's important that we don't lose our cool. It's important that we don't release our hands from the reins of the horse or we don't uh, let our hands off of the ship's wheel. We have to be diligent in keeping control of the tongue because like a spark, a fire can break out really fast if we don't take care of it. And we all know what that can look like, right? Typically a guy, but not always, who says, uh, you know, I speak my mind. Whatever is in there is what comes out, and for some reason, whatever is always coming out is something that's always getting him in trouble, right? (laughs) 
And uh, maybe the opposite is true, that you hold back, you don't communicate in a marriage. And that is just as much not steering a ship as it is to say more than you need to, or to communicate in the wrong way. You can, you can uh, not steer your ship by not saying anything. And maybe you don't struggle so much with controlling your tongue around others, but as soon as you get home, a whole different side of you is what is seen by your spouse. That's a textbook way that we let go of the reins in our relationships. And there's all sorts of ways in which we let go of the ship's wheel when it comes to communication in our relationships, in our marriage. And James pleads with us that it's important to understand just how, how important our language is and the way that we communicate with one another is. James continues, if you jump down to verse 9, he shares another common issue that we have when it comes to communicating. He says, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, speaking of the tongue, and sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. And that's true of my life. I know that I, I, I tend to be pretty mild-mannered. It takes a lot to get me to a point where I'm going to explode or to, to uh, have a, let my tongue kind of take over and, and uh, have a mind of its own. But I can remember the few times that it has, one of them in particular where, man, the damage that happens when, the, when you do that. The ways in which you hurt people. This specific instance only hurt one person, hurt my wife deeply. On her birthday of all days. Good job, Cole. That was a good one, right? On her birthday. How can I stand here? And in the same breath, I ask you all to steward your relationships well when I also know that the opposite is true in my own life, that I have done the same thing. I have praised God with my lips, and then I have devalued the image of God in my wife in those moments. James' word to us in this text is you have to take care of how you talk because your words show us just how deeply God has been able to form your life. We all know that there's places that God hasn't been allowed to touch in our own lives when the degrading speech we use to our husband about his flaws is a way that we just hide our own. Or when we care more about the laugh we're going to get when we're in a circle of friends, then we care about the real or perceived uh, inadequacies about our wife. In how we would be so gracious in private, one instance of that in public can be the most degrading thing to them. The way we talk to our spouse when we're stressed or angry, or our children even, and then the way we talk to them when we're on vacation, if they're vastly different, it means that God hasn't formed our lives as deeply as it could. And if you head to verse 11, you'll see how James illustrates moments like this. He says, does a spring of water bubble out both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? <laughs> no, says James. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. One of my favorite ways this is uh, portrayed is by Eugene Peterson. He says, you can't go to the store and sell apples if they're raspberries. He says, you can't hand a cup of salt water to a marathon runner and say to them with a straight face, no, it's, a fresh, it's fresh water. 
No one's buying the apples you're selling as raspberries uh, because you're the only, because, hold on. (laughs) No one is buying the raspberries you're selling because everybody knows that they are apples. You can't, you're the only one who can't see it. You're the only one who's believing the lie. You can't tell people how important God's rule is in their life and then also ruin your wife's birthday because you had to get your way. He says, you can't tell me you love me and all my flaws if you constantly belittle me with your words. What I'm expecting is fresh water that's going to cleanse and to heal, and what you've given me is salty water, and it stings, and I'm in pain. And what I can envision in moments like this, and and what I know is true of my my own life as I've uh, gone down this journey of taming the tongue, is that sometimes it feels daunting. Especially in a marriage, it feels like it's so daunting that the changes will never be made in our lives. Gosh, I, that's what I grew up with. My parents always talked like this. How am I going to be able to ever change that? We all know that's not a good enough excuse, but how do we actually do it? I've been hurt so many times in the past, I'm, I'm cold to how my words might hurt my spouse. How do I begin to soften my heart and my speech towards somebody else? We've been together for so long to, to open this can of worms would just be a waste of time. We'll just deal with how it, our communication is in, in our relationship. I'd rather deal with the pain because they're a good person. But you have to remember what James says. He says that you're an image bearer of God. And if you're an image bearer of God, that means that every time you're devalued, God's also devalued. And they may be a good spouse, but they're a good spouse who needs to hear about ways in which you're not selling or you're not buying what they're selling. If he really, truly is a good man, if she really, truly is a good wife, they will hear you in those moments. And in this passage, I see two things that James is trying to hold us accountable to in our communication, in our marriages, and and in all of our relationships. And it's an uncontrolled tongue and also the inconsistency of our speech. And I think there's two words that come to mind that can help us to have a healthier communication in our marriage and in our relationships, and it's honesty and humility. Can you look in the metaphorical mirror with honesty and without shame and say, there's room for me to speak more highly of my wife. I, don't, I can cut out the jokes at her expense when we're with friends. I can be confident in my husband's words of affirmation for me. I don't need to belittle those words in my own mind or back to him. I don't need to blame him and start an argument so we can both actually avoid the thing where we need to handle, and that's our financial situation. You know, I do just yell right away when conflict or tension arises because uh, that's just how I'm wired, but maybe I can start to work on not going all the way to 100% right away. I feel like I don't know as much as other people. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm the one who doesn't know as much as my husband or my wife, and so I just keep quiet so that I can keep some sort of upper hand in this argument. This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like when we are able to be honest with ourselves. Can you have the humility to say that I have, to, I have work to do in this area? I need to start noticing these things quicker. It's not about winning or losing. We're not trying to win arguments. We're trying to stay in right relationship with one another. I was wrong, I need to ask for forgiveness. 
Those are tough things to do, but this is what it looks like to be a person of God and to be somebody who grows in the wisdom of God. How can we let God form the parts of our lives that have gone untouched for so long is really the question we're trying to answer. All over scripture, God is portrayed as a potter and we are pictured as the clay that he's working with constantly. We know what that looks like, right? You got a potter sitting on a, on a stool, there's a wheel in front of him with clay and it's constantly spinning and he's moving his hands, molding and shaping the clay to be usable tools or decorations or vases or bowls or things like that. And if we apply the same picture to our lives, that means that our life is something that God is constantly trying to mold and to shape to, be a mirror, to mirror his heart. And so that's our marriages too. That's our communication with one another as well. But oftentimes, what happens is the clay stops to be formed. It doesn't want to be formed anymore. And what happens when clay doesn't want to be formed anymore? We leave clay alone. Well, it hardens. And many times the same is true for us, that we either become unmalleable unable to be formed anymore because we're unwilling to change. Or we become like dust after the pieces have broken and everything has fallen apart and the way that we've talked to each other and the communication we've used with each other for so long has just ground us so fine. There's nothing left to put back together. But thank goodness for Jesus. Thank goodness for Jesus who knows exactly what the potter needs to get back to shaping our lives. What do potters do when clay gets tough on the wheel? I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but as they're working with it, if it starts to get to a point where they're not able to work it anymore, they dip their hands in water and start to form the clay again. And what does Jesus offer the woman at the well who's been in countless relationships that she has messed up? What does he offer her? Says the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Living water. Living water is exactly what the potter needs to take our hardened and broken clay and turn it back into something that he can mold and shape to, be a, to mirror his heart. Do you want that today for your marriage? Do you want that for your relationships in the way which you communicate with each other? Do you want the water that can bring back these areas of your life? Well, it starts with humility and honesty, both with yourself and each other. James ends this chapter by saying, here, this is what it looks like to have living water when it comes to communication. This is what healthy communication in your relationships looks like. Jump down to verse 17 and 18. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. 
the image given by James here is the antidote to an uncontrolled tongue and inconsistent speech. You can't throw your hands from the wheel when you're angry if you're called to be gentle at all times. You can't sell apples as raspberries when wisdom calls you to always be sincere. When we steward our speech well, we will see the moments of pain in our marriage when they they will start to become fewer and fewer and our heart will start to look more and more like what James lays out here at the end of this passage. And like I said at the beginning, that's plenty of work for us to to get started on for for the next, (laughs) I don't know, three to four months. And so how do we do this? We do it one step at a time. We do it day by day and we, uh, we, don't take, we don't rush through it. Can you take the afternoon or evening this week to sit with those two ideas that James talks of and, and write them down? Where does my tongue go uncontrolled when I'm with my spouse? Is there truly any inconsistent places in my speech when I'm with my wife or my husband? After that, can you talk with your spouse Can you let them know what you found about yourself over dinner or breakfast? Not to let them know what you know is true about them, but what you found about yourself after sitting with these questions. There's space there to apologize, to forgive, and to support each other moving forward. And for a week, can you start your day by reading or praying over this passage in James 17 and 18? And ask God to make the things of that passage be the things that you yearn for in your life as well. Can you set your mind to working on these things as a couple? It's your marriage. Work on it together. And most importantly, can we do this all without shame? Shame is paralyzing. We don't need to be immobilized. We need to be molded. And so we have to let shame go, and we have to instead fix our eyes on Jesus, who provides us the living water that only he can provide and the wisdom that only he can help us with as we look at ways in which we can apply these things into our own life. And today, we have the privilege of celebrating communion. And so as we take communion today, may it be the beginning of a new direction for you. Remember that the, the, life, and the life of Jesus and the living water which he so freely provides to each and every one of us has the ability to heal us in our lives and our communication with our spouse in ways that we never thought would be possible. May it truly be the beginning of a new direction for you this morning. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks. We thank you for the ways in which your word not only can illuminate things in our own life, but also the ways in which it can provide us with a way forward. Lord, we ask that we would have a thirst only for the living water which you can provide us, that we would let go of the shame of the past and we would move forward ever centered and focused on you, that our lives and our relationships might be healed. Help us as we take this journey. It's in your name we pray, amen.